It is another edition of the best tableside drinking show in college football. Sunday, bloody Sunday, here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. I am Matt Barry. This is the Matt Barry Show Sunday, bloody Sunday version of it, where we sit each and every Sunday after the college football Saturday, and we have one of these with each other or the tipple of your choice uh, to recap the day. Today, I've got the the ASU Tumblr uh, and... Uh, Cheers to my guy, Kenny Dillingham and the Sun Devils. No one outside of me and maybe three people watching this care, but probably the final time ASU is going into the Rose Bowl uh, to play UCLA because of the defection of UCLA, UCLA to the Big Ten. Kenny Dillingham went into the Rose Bowl last night and played quarterback with a tight end and a running back and beat UCLA. That's kind of fun when you really, really think about it. Final score, 17-7. And uh, Kennedy Dillingham, after a 55-3 beat down the week before to Utah, goes into the Rose Bowl, gets my guys a win. That's a random cheers for you here on a Sunday morning. So many cheers to get to. Uh, cheers to Alabama for the 10th time. And Nick Saban, 17 years there at the uh, as the head coach of the tie. They are headed to the SEC championship game as SEC West champions. Cheers to them. Never a doubt, Jalen Milrow, historic six touchdowns on the day. He continues to get better and better, which is what makes him a scary proposition going in to the SEC championship game and potentially a college football playoff if he continues to play the way he is as well. Also, cheers uh, to Georgia. They wrapped up another spot in the SEC championship game as well after dismantling uh, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Ole Miss, a top 10 team coming in, and it was just clear last night up front uh, just too much to handle. It was 14-14 at one point, and then Georgia really asserted themselves uh, down this stretch. So a cheers uh, and congratulations again to Georgia. So Georgia, Alabama set for the SEC championship game. Florida State, they got past their rival Miami. Tough, tougher than the books would allow you to believe, but it's a rivalry game. And they were able to get past Miami to stay undefeated. They live dangerously, which I think is a dangerous way to live. Uh, in college football because at some point you could get got, but I, I still believe that Florida State's one of the most talented teams in the country. They are obviously playing in the ACC championship game. They are awaiting a uh, resolution between North Carolina and Louisville. Louisville came back to beat Virginia Thursday night. They needed a North Carolina loss against Duke to get in. North Carolina took it to double overtime against Duke. In what was a crazy late night game, by the way. So uh, that's how that one ended up. Uh, so cheers to a couple of programs who have punched their tickets to the conference championship games. Uh, Pac-12 after dark didn't disappoint again. Oregon survived uh, against USC, who continues to be in a tailspin to me, which is one of the most surprising stories this college football season, especially with Caleb coming back and everything USC did in the portal. I'm stunned at how uh quickly things didn't materialize for USC this year. I know people talking about the the defensive coordinator and everything in between with Alex Grinch getting fired, but it's just really, really surprising uh what has transpired with USC after they go down to Oregon last night. Washington, by the way, cheers to Washington. Cause I'm gonna say this, it is hard to get a win week in and week out, especially in the Pac-12 this year. But they took everything they could from Utah on Saturday, and they go out and they get the win to move to 10-0 and on the season. I mean, good for Michael Penix and DeBoer, whose name's coming up, by the way, more on that in a minute, for an open job vacancy. But I'm just kind of going through some of the on-the-field stuff. 
So good uh, for him, uh, for Washington, rather, getting that win uh, to continue their step towards a college football playoff, which, by the way, if I was if I was the committee, I'm going to get into this real quick, and then we'll get on to Jimbo Fisher. If I were the committee, I would rank Georgia one. I think they are the most dominant team in the country, and they proved it. I would make Washington two. Washington every week has had to step up. They did so against USC last week. They did it again yesterday against a ranked Utah team. I'd go Georgia one, Washington two. I'd go Michigan three. They dominated everybody in front of them. They got the win yesterday against Penn State sans Jim Harbaugh. Sharon Moore was the head coach. Cheers to Michigan for getting the big win. Although I think some of the theatrics around it are a little bit much. Michigan, I'd put three. Ohio State, I'd put four. So my top four going into week 12 would be Georgia, Washington, Michigan, Ohio State. I'd put Florida State on the outside for now because a few weeks in a row, they just haven't looked at their best. And it's going to play this the, the, itself out. And they're going to get an opportunity to go undefeated, win an ACC championship, and then they're in. But right now, I'd put Florida State five, and I'd put Oregon six after they get by uh, USC late Saturday night. Um, the big news in college football is Jimbo Fisher being fired by Texas A&M or reportedly on his way out at Texas A&M. We're recording Sunday, bloody Sunday, just after 11 a.m. So the news is out. It's been uh, confirmed by multiple people, including Pete Thamel, of what's going on there at Texas A&M. Tex Ags was the first to report it. I want to pull up what Thamel is saying about this, just so we have some of the news the way that it should be. Breaking um, What's that? Confirmed. Sources have told. Yep, he's been fired. Okay, so it is confirmed. This is real-time recording, so I want to make sure that this is confirmed that he has been fired by Texas A&M. According to our Pete Thamel, sources have said the Texas A&M associate head coach, Elijah Robinson, is expected to serve as the interim coach at Texas A&M. So Jimbo Fisher, after seven years, is out. Seventy-plus million dollars, and this thing is over. I find this big picture to be one of the great mismanaged hires in the history of college football. Well, Matt, why do you say that? There's been some other bad hires. Yeah, there have. There's been colossally bad hires. And Jimbo Fisher recruited at a high level. But not one of those hires that were worse than this is going to cost a program 70 plus million dollars to win loss wise, be better off than the guy you got rid of anyway, and Kevin Sumlin. And that's what makes this so damaging to Texas A&M's brand. I think it's a hell of a job. The resources are off the charts. But how do you take them seriously after paying this kind of money to be no better off than you were when you got him? Yeah, you're getting five stars, but every year the five stars and four stars, they're looking for more NIL money. There's a lot in the portal. They're not winning the big games. I just find this to be so irresponsible for college football because of the money that was thrown out there to catch what at the time appeared to be the biggest fish in the sea. For what? You can't look anyone in the eye if you're Texas A&M, if you're an administrator, you're talking about financial resource and everything in between. How do you look anyone in the eye and say, no, we're, we're, you know, we got to, got to tighten the belts a little bit. You just paid 70 plus million dollars to get rid of a coach, a coach that did not elevate you to the level you thought you were capable of being elevated to. And that's why for me, 
We talk about this extensively on the recap with Paul Feinbaum this week. At some point, coaching hires are about sizzle, rarely about substance. You go in and you try to find the biggest name you can to lead your program to championship level heights. Well, the last time I checked, when all of this coaching circus was going around, LSU was trying to bid for Tom Herman, Jimbo Fisher, and Ed Ogeron ended up getting the job and winning a national championship at LSU. Sometimes the best hire, and Ed O is the best hire at the time. That's obviously since moved on, and Brian Kelly's doing a phenomenal job there, which, by the way, cheers to Jaden Daniels. If he's not a Heisman Trophy candidate, I don't know what a Heisman Trophy candidate is supposed to look like. Set an FBS record last night. It's absolutely insane. I digress. But that's taking care of itself. Point being that a lot of times the best hire isn't always the biggest name and not the most expensive name. I go way back when to Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, now he's one of the highest paid coaches in college football. Yeah, now he's won a couple of national championships. But at the time, he was an interim coach that was a receivers coach at Clemson. Never had been a coordinator. He was a receivers coach. And they're thinking, well, what the hell? Let's give this guy a shot. And now he's Dabo Sweeney at a major program like Clemson. Sometimes the biggest name isn't always the best solution. And what Texas A&M did, yeah, they won the press conference. Great. They won the biggest name. Great. They didn't win the biggest games. They didn't win the biggest prize. They couldn't get out of the SEC West. And if you're going to hire in the SEC West, you got to know you're going up against Nick Saban. You got to know you're going up against LSU. You got to know you're going up against Auburn up and down as they might be, which, by the way, cheers Hugh Freeze. Our guy Hugh Freeze, friend of the program, has Auburn bowl eligible in year one. But again, point being, Name doesn't always correlate with success. Sometimes it does, but name doesn't become name until you work your way up. And I get it. Jimbo Fisher won a national championship at Florida State. He also had Jameis Winston, who ended up being the number one overall pick and a Heisman Trophy winner. A lot of times, coaches' success is hinged on the players they're attached to. That's what makes Nick Saban so great. He continues to win time after time with a different team. Look at Jalen Milrow. This is a guy who just ran through... Tua Tungavailoa, Mac Jones, and Bryce Young. First-round draft picks at NFL. Now he's got a guy that could start at running back at any team in the country playing quarterback, and they're going back to play at the SEC Championship. Name isn't always the way to go. What coach could stand the test of roster turnover time? Kirby Smart. Hell, Kirby Smart was going to get the South Carolina job until Georgia freaked out that one of their own was going to get, take the South Carolina job. They punt on Rick, bring Kirby Smart in, and the rest is history. Kirby was a good name, but he wasn't the Jimbo Fisher name. He was in $70 million, and all he's done is won two consecutive national championships, and they appear to be well on their way to a third consecutive, which is why you have to really be creative with how this is going to go down. Texas A&M fans may not want to hear it. They may not want to hear that their ego is going to have to take a step down to take a step forward. Well, what does that look like? Find a guy who can coach. It doesn't always need to be the biggest name. I brought this up with Feinbaum. Chris Kleiman, look what he did at North Dakota State. He's got Kansas State playing really good football. 
Lance Leipold has won everywhere he's gone. He was at Buffalo. Now he's at Kansas. He's made them relevant. Suffered a bad loss yesterday to Texas Tech. But point being, if you really do a coaching search based on coaches, not names, coaches, you might find the guy you're looking for. And oh, by the way, he might not cost you $70 million. Some of the names that our Pete Thamel from ESPN has put out there, he says early list of potential names for Texas A&M, knowing that money is no object. And there it is right there. Like you, this is going to cost him close to $100 million, well over $100 million actually to get rid of Jimbo, the staff, and bring in a new coach and a new staff to be average. Names, Lane Kiffin, Mike Elko, Mike Norvell, Dan Lanning, which by the way, could you imagine if Florida State, or I'm sorry, can you imagine if Texas A&M went to Florida State again for their next head coach like they did Jimbo Fisher? That's why I don't think it's going to happen. I think that it. Uh, I'm a little superstitious in that. I don't know if the Ross DeBoer is going to go in there and say, let's go back to uh, Florida State one more time to get our coach. But Norvell, Dan Lanning, that's the one that I would zero in on in terms of who I think A&M is going to want to pull in there. Jeff Trailer is so interesting to me. Because he's kind of in the realm of the guy that I was just talking about. Can coach ball. He's at UTSA right up the road. I mean, that's the kind of guy where if you just want to say, you know what? To hell with the sizzle. Bring me the substance. That's a guy you look at. A guy that's at a smaller school who's found a way to win that can recruit the great state of Texas and win ball games. Because ultimately, what do we end this for? To win games. So trailer's name's on there. Uh, Chris Kleiman mentioned him a second ago. I didn't know he was on this list. Cliff Kingsbury. Now, it's stop. Cliff, great. Let's stay away from that one. And Kalen DeBoer, head coach Washington. The only problem I see with Landon DeBoer, uh, Washington and Oregon respectively, is that they're obviously well in the college football playoff hunt, the Pac-12 championship hunt. That's going to be a tough get, in my opinion, because of where they are. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. But I think we're at a day and age in college football where I would want my alma mater if I was at Texas A&M. Guys, who's going to give us the best chance to win? I know you have oil money. I know you have unlimited resources. But let's put those resources to use instead of just cutting a check for $70-plus million to get us nowhere closer to where we were than when we made this financial mistake to begin with. And I'm not ripping Jimbo Fisher. He had impossible expectations based on his paycheck and based on everything he's got to go through in the SEC West. Impossible. But at the end of the day, you get paid to perform. And he just didn't do it. And it's just the way of the coaching world right now, it's who's got the best bidder, who's got the biggest name, and who can make the biggest splash. Stop doing that. Just go with who's going to win your football games. There's a lot of coaches out there that can do it. And so that's my thought on Jimbo. Um, he's he's Look, there's a lot of people that might feel sorry for him this morning. I'm just telling you, if you want to pay me $70 million to go away, I'm not hard to find. I'm right here. 70 mil, let's go. You'll never see me again, by the way. I would go live in some remote village in Iceland for $70 million and just hide. Actually, Iceland's probably too cold. Somewhere tropical. I'd go somewhere tropical with my 70 million. I'd take my wife in my yellow lab. Gone. You wouldn't see us again. 
couple of other scores real quick. Sunday, bloody Sunday as we wrap you up. I, I mentioned Georgia, 52-17, dominant. Michigan, congratulations. The crying's a bit much. I'll leave it at that. If you want to know what I stand on that, go watch college football final. Brought up Washington, Oregon, nine and one. USC, shockingly, seven and four. Texas, that look, Texas, man, you're living dangerously. Sark, you know, I love you. But, but I mean, my goodness, 29-26, they were in control of that one again. Jonathan Brooks gets hurt. They got to squeak out a victory. Now they're at Iowa State, tough place to play, Ames, and then Texas Tech before presumably playing in the Big 12 championship game. Texas, be careful. Everything's in front of you. Alabama did what they do against Kentucky. Oregon State, 62-17 over Stanford. Washington, be careful. You are at Corvallis next week. Washington State or Oregon State just sneakily hanging out there at eight and two, five and two in the Pac-12. Tread lightly. Oh, yes. Cheers. Team sticker cheers to UCF in their space game. They beat Oklahoma State for their second consecutive win of the Big 12. Gus Malzahn, congratulations. Which, by the way, that's germane to the conversation because Gus Malzahn up until Sunday was the highest buyout ever at 21 and a half million. Jimbo took that times three and then some. So Oklahoma State goes down. Kansas goes down. The Big 12 is a mess. Oklahoma pummels West Virginia. LSU, I just mentioned, Jaden Daniels. Get the man the Heisman. And I'm going to wrap up on this Sunday, bloody Sunday. Iowa. Iowa, come in here and, and, and listen to me. Come here. Close. When the point total in your game is 27 and a half, and you have the ball goal to go, I don't care if there's under a minute left. Don't take a knee. Don't take a knee. Run the play. Cover the over by yourself. It was 27 and a half. You scored 22 points. You had an opportunity to put America on your side. Unless you were one of the sickos that bet the lowest under in under history since 2000 at 27 and a half against Rutgers. Go get it. No, no cheers for you. You could have covered 27 and a half on your own and you took a knee. Make the people love you. Again, there were probably plenty of people that took that under just because, again, they're sickos and they want to see boring carnage. But go hit the un- over next time. Iowa, be, be be one of the people. Score some points, but 22, hey. Iowa, by the way, the five and two, they're, they're going to play in the Big Ten Championship. Iowa is going to play Michigan or Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. And to me, that is amazing. So is college football. Sunday, November 12th the day that Jimbo Fisher was fired, and we move on to the final two weeks of the college football season. Cheers to you here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel.